take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA Kit by Endocana Health. I did this years ago, and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, endo-aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Effica Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Effica Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formulation of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget, promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host in Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. This is the last episode before the podcast takes a summer break. And I got to say, this episode is a doozy, packed full of insight. And it is such an important conversation for anyone using opioids for pain management, as well as those suffering from autoimmune issues or autism. So stick around. And now for a little housekeeping. Casually Baked the Podcast began as a weekly exploration of cannabis culture and the cannabis for wellness lifestyle. I'm now in my eighth year of recording this show. And with the massive amount of life changes over the past three years, it's time to evolve, my friend. So I am shifting gears as a way to stay inspired, challenged, and to free myself to focus on fewer things at once. Yes, please, and thank you. Now, the original hope was that I'd grow this podcast to be profitable enough that it could become my sole focus. 
advertising in the cannabis industry, listen, I call it like I see it. It is as fickle as the politicians and regulators making up the rules of this resurfacing industry. And to mainstream advertisers, they are still treading lightly when it comes to attaching themselves to cannabis-infused content and a message that goes against the accepted narrative. I gotta be honest, I've considered hanging up my headphones a few times this year. But the feedback that I keep getting from listeners like you pulls at my heartstrings. So I pushed myself to get creative so that I can continue to share truth about plant medicine, agriculture, and personal sovereignty, and still have a life. Fortunately, I recognize that being of service and balancing personal freedom comes in all shapes and sizes. And I am a conscious creator on a mission. So doing this work feels good to me. But doing it well, in a really cool place, having fun, and getting paid to be myself in the process, now that shit lights me up. Not having a permanent studio or a place to create this past year has been a pain point, I will admit. The part of the cannabis industry that I celebrate and support is getting choked out. So my advertising is drying up. And that, my friend, is not inspiring. So... I'm downshifting, and I'm going to see what happens. I'm excited. Starting this fall, I'll release two seasons per year, one in the fall and one in the spring. And since I really miss the energy of in-real-life interviews, and I keep getting requests to bring back video content, we're doing it. Through the PodConnects network, I've booked a month-long residency at a recording studio in Vail, Colorado, to bring the podcast and a video series to life while enjoying the Colorado Mountain Town vibe this fall. I want you to reach out to recommend your favorite Colorado-based cannabis cultivators, brands, industry changemakers, and culture creators to join me on the set of Casually Baked TV. Email through the website at casuallybaked.com or DM me on social. When I'm there, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Truth Social. Now... On today's podcast, you'll hear from a medical industry insider about her experience with cannabis as a medical patient, nurse, educator, and a parent of a child with severe autism. Jana Champagne, a now-retired nurse, wears many hats representing therapeutic-grade cannabis as a practical tool to be considered by the medical community to treat a spectrum of conditions. Jana is a professor of cannabinoid science at John Patrick University. She is founder and board president of the 501c3 nonprofit Autism Safe Haven, an organization committed to creating cannabis-inclusive autism care resources. Jana is also founder of Cannabis Nurse Approved, committed to educating consumers with free nurse guidance for optimal therapeutic cannabis outcomes. She's also an award-winning medical cannabis formulator for Unity Formulas and a published researcher, public speaker, and legislative activist based in Oregon. We dive into Jana's personal journey as both a patient and a nurse that led to her realization that mainstream medicine is not balancing risk versus benefit in an effort to do no harm. But first, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief a CBD-infused muscle rub, PhD designed for what aches and pains you. Our challenge was to choose an entourage of ingredients, all with anti-inflammatory, pain-relieving, and or skin-soothing qualities. 
MJ is made by women strong enough for performance athletes and gentle enough for sensitive skin. Explore our ingredients and support your body and my small business at mjskinrelief.com. You'll always save 10% using promo code CASUALLYBAKED, all one word, at checkout. That's mjskinrelief.com. Promo code CASUALLYBAKED. And if you're listening on your phone, scroll down in the podcast app you're using to see the episode notes where you'll find links to this offer and more from other Casually Baked partner brands. Shopping podcast affiliates is a win-win because you saving money on the things you want supports the production of this show. And so does taking a few seconds to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That one small action helps other Canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. It's the friend economy in action. All right, now let's get in the weeds on the endocannabinoid system and how it relates to autism, pain, autoimmune disease, and all of the systems of the body. Jana gets detailed in her explanation of cannabis as the most potentially beneficial and least potentially harmful treatment for autism. So listen up, my friends. She drops so many nugs of wisdom in this episode that you might want to listen twice. So smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com It's high time We had a high time Together Together your story is so important and that of your your daughter and I'm just excited for you to share some of your experience about moving from a cannabis patient to a cannabis nurse and everything you've experienced and what you're teaching. So you kind of jump in wherever in that journey um, feels most organic. Okay. Yeah, well, it's always good to start at the beginning and in my initial introduction to cannabis as a medicinal substance was as a nurse who became a patient in 2012, and I was seeking alternatives to opioid pain medications for a chronic pain condition, and knew I did not want the opioid pathway. You know, as a nurse, you kind of see what happens to patients, and so stumbled onto cannabis, and it went on to not only relieve my pain and keep me free of opioids, 
but it went on to do some really amazing things for my health overall. You know, it, it helped to modulate and calm down my immune system, which was in an autoimmune state. Uh, it lifted my brain fog. It helped me sleep. So it really brought back my quality of life and my ability to function. So that was really where it all began. And because I was so curious about how this plant could do things that the pharmaceuticals couldn't touch, I jumped into the research and the medical research about this plant, which is substantial, like 35,000 studies available. Yes. And uh, so that's where I started. <laughs> 35,000 studies, you say. And mm -hmm. so many times when you're having the conversation about cannabis, with a doctor or, you know, a lawmaker or something like that, they're telling you, well, we need more information. There needs to be more research. And I'd be willing to bet that there's loads more research done on cannabis than there has been on the majority of pharmaceuticals that are getting cranked out into the world. That is correct. And, and unfortunately, we're still, I mean, we discovered the endocannabinoid system in our body and we're still not teaching it in medical school or nursing school, even though that was 1992 that Raphael Meshulam figured it all out. Uh, so the education piece really does need to be out there. We need to be educating our medical professionals. And that's a really important piece for forwarding the medical cannabis movement. As far as the research, because a lot of it is foreign research because of our prohibition and our red tape in this country around cannabis research, a lot of physicians in the in the U.S. will just kind of write it off because it wasn't done here. Even if you disseminate the research and it's valid and it, you know, the outcomes are completely true and, and able to be relied upon, they'll write them off anyway. So that's why they say we need more research, which we do. We need more American research. <laughs> so not only have you done the research, but you also have your own life experience and when you experienced a complete reversal of your autoimmune disease, talk to me now about the, how that played into your decisions as a mom with a child of autism. How, how did you transition your learnings into making those sorts of decisions for your daughter's health? Yes. Well, I, I became very disenchanted with mainstream medicine. And to be fair, it was about a year and a half that I was on the mainstream treatments for autoimmune lupus, which was, you know, prednisone, methotrexate, Plaquenil, uh, all different sorts of medications that have horrible side effects. You know, methotrexate has a side effect of cancer, for example, can literally be life-threatening. And so, it, you know, I realized that mainstream medicine was not balancing the risk versus benefit and helping patients to really look at cannabis as an option, even though it is far safer with no, de no deaths ever attributed to cannabis therapy and far more potentially beneficial because what it does is, is promotes balance in the immune system and every other system of the body. And so it's actually targeting the underlying contributor to autoimmune where there's no pharmaceutical that can even touch that. So I realized that mainstream is not following an ethical approach of do no harm or risk versus benefit and weighing that objectively. And so that really built my passion for, you know, trying to educate medical professionals and patients. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that suffer from lupus. And I am curious, when you did start including cannabis as part of your protocol, what are some of the other things that you did that's a part of the natural path that helped you get to this point? 
So it was the cannabis therapy, which, you know, at the time when I started cannabis, my focus was pain relief. I wasn't focused on what can it do for my immune system. I had no idea that it was an immune modulator at that point. So I was very fortunate to stumble onto, you know, a good THC formulation, which can actually kind of dial down that autoimmune response. Uh, and this, the research says that THC can decrease the T cell activity, and it's your T cells that, that promote that self-attack in the body. I also was using THCA, uh, which is the acid form of THC. It's a raw infusion, profoundly anti-inflammatory. And for me, that replaced the prednisone because it has, you know, about twice the anti-inflammatory aspect of prednisone, according to the research as well. So those were the two, those were basically the only two that were available when I was sick. We didn't have CBD yet. <laughs> you know, we didn't have all these other great hemp options, but I was also doing nutrigenomics, which is a genetically individualized uh, nutrient and dietary protocol. And so it was those two things combined that really helped to overhaul my health and get me functional like I am today. So... Amen. I love that. Now, your daughter. Well, she was diagnosed at age two with severe autism. Uh, she was nonverbal until age 10. She was diagnosed or labeled mentally retarded, unable to learn in second grade. So kind of on the severe end of the spectrum. But we really didn't even consider cannabis for her until she hit puberty. And it's common to about 50% of kids with autism that when they enter puberty, they have a behavioral crisis. And she was one of those that almost overnight began self-injury, property destruction, aggression towards others. She was, you know, hitting, kicking, biting. We had holes in every wall, holes through doors. I mean, it was a very traumatic period. And once again, just doing the risk versus benefit assessment of the mental health medications that they use for autism behaviors versus the cannabis therapy, it was very clear that the cannabis was the most potentially beneficial and the least potentially harmful. I've since kind of gone on to specialize in cannabis for autism and have learned that the research actually supports that there's a deficiency, a nutrient deficiency in autism called endocannabinoid deficiency, meaning that they can't make their own endocannabinoids. And so when that happens, we can actually supplement the cannabinoids from the plant and seamlessly kind of fill in that aspect. So not only is cannabis great for managing anxiety and aggression and pain and some of these other, you know, inflammatory issues we have with autism, but it's actually addressing an underlying known vital nutrient deficiency found in autism. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Like, why is this not the first yes. thing we're choosing for these kids? <laughs> why are more people not talking about this? Of course. Mm -hmm. yep. And, you know, so our endocannabinoid system, we can just give a... a quick overview of all of the things that it controls in our body beyond our mood and sleep and our gut health. Talk about what all the things that the endocannabinoid system plays a role in. So the endocannabinoid system is linked with every other system in the body and its job is to promote balance or what we call homeostasis. That's our fancy medical term for optimal health balance, right? So when you consider that every chronic illness, and I do consider autism to be on that list because there's physical imbalances that happen with autism, every chronic illness is linked with endocannabinoid deficiency or inability to produce enough endocannabinoids. 
So for chronic illness, this, this also explains why cannabis can be good for so many different uses, which is part of what throws medical professionals. They hear it's good for everything and they write it off as snake oil because they don't understand the endocannabinoid system and they don't understand endocannabinoid deficiency, which Dr. Ethan Russo has written about so extensively and linked with all these chronic illnesses. And they don't understand that we produce compounds that mimic the compounds found in the cannabis plant. And when we're deficient, it predisposes chronic illness. So it's like just putting a few of these pieces of the puzzle together. Sometimes we can see this light bulb turn out on with people. I love the light bulb moment. Yes, (laughs) for sure. And I love how you talk about, too, that it's not cannabis, but it's therapeutic cannabis. And there is a distinction, you know, for someone just consuming cannabis. Maybe they smoke, vape eat edibles, something like that, versus strategically choosing the right medicine that is of a certain grade that is going to do a certain thing with specific cannabinoids and terpenes. So I'd love for you to dive in a little bit deeper and define what you call the optimal therapeutic cannabis. Yes, absolutely. So not all cannabis products are equal when it comes to therapeutic outcomes being optimized. And I learned this from going from a patient to a mom of a patient to a grower. I began working with patients and you learn pretty quickly that, you know, certain conditions require certain plants or strains or profiles. Not all strains are going to be equal for sleep or for anxiety or for depression or for pain. Right. And so I kind of dove into what makes all of these different. And, uh, and not only is it important to match up and make sure you're getting like a sedative strain profile for sleep, but it's also important to make sure that the, pro- that the plant has been processed in a way that conserves the more than 500 compounds that are found naturally in cannabis flower. So many of our processing, the, the way that producers make cannabis products today is by stripping away many of those compounds. So like isolate CBD is one compound. Uh, CO2 is usually just a couple of dozen compounds. So stripping away the bioflavonoids, the antioxidants, the essential fatty acids, and the chlorophyll, all of which have this synergistic effect with the cannabinoids and terpenes and really amplify its benefits. And I learned that by working with patients who would call me and say, hey, I bought this product and it worked for a while and then it stopped working. That's a hallmark for CO2 that's been stripped way down or isolate that's been stripped way down. Uh, The whole plant really has been proven in research as well to exert the most therapeutic benefits. And so this is what my nurses and I came up with the flow criteria, which is flower derived, lab tested, organic and whole plant spectrum. And that is what we taught every page, every, you know, we consulted with thousands of patients between 2016 and 2019. That's what we taught them to seek for medical quality cannabis and for the best outcomes. It's so smart. It is so smart. And When you learn to think about it that way and you're treating it like medicine, you do care where it comes from. You know that it's got a targeted use for you and -hmm. and that you do feel those nuances. I introduced some 50 milligram full spectrum CBD uh, gel caps to a couple of girlfriends of mine. I've been taking them for a long time. I have the genes for inflammation, and I take 
50 milligrams in the morning, 50 milligrams midday, and 50 milligrams again before I go to bed because like you, I did the genetic testing and I know that I metabolize CBD very quickly. So I don't think twice about taking that. Both of these ladies reported back to me after taking one of them that they could feel it. Like they're at work and they felt it hit and they felt that little bit of THC and all of the other cannabinoids. And I think so many people are getting the stripped down version of these oils and medicines that when they do get something that is therapeutic grade, you can really tell. Absolutely. Big difference. And what the research says that actually compared whole plant versus isolate or CO2 CBD is that the whole plant worked just as well or better at a quarter of the dose, which I mean, when you think cost savings, which you know, finances is a huge barrier for patients access to cannabis. Yeah. Uh, that that's a huge piece. It says that when you strip it down, it has a bell curve response in the body. So it really narrows that therapeutic margin. You can take so much that it literally drops off and stops working. So there's just so many, so many differences. We lose that synergy. We lose that entourage effect. It's so important that patients understand this, and this is why my nurses and I came up with the Cannabis Nurse Approved program, CannabisNurseApproved.com, and on that website, there is not only a list of products that are meeting the flow criteria, but there is my research article writing up about all these research studies and what they say comparing whole plant versus isolate, if somebody wants to deeper dive into that subject. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about what you have found the best cannabinoids and terpenes for autism? So for autism, there's several things that we look for. First off, we want to understand what symptoms that client would like to target because not all autism is equal. There's everything from low functioning to high functioning and everything in between. So for high functioning autism, there might be social anxiety, there might be sleep issues, there might be some other things around that that we wanna target. And so, or even ADD, ADHD, where they may want a more stimulating formula of cannabis, if that's what calms them. Uh, For the lower functioning or behavior kids, we tend to go with some THCs and we want to stick with the indicas that are more calming. We want to target pain if that's an issue. If self-injury is happening, I always think treat pain. These kids are in pain. So it really just depends. We do symptom targeted approaches for all chronic illness, including autism. And I did assist with creating some formulations specifically for autism in mind, because there was nothing out there like this. And so you can visit Unity Formulas, and they've got some autism-specific formulations for anxiety and neurocalm and sleep, and also ADD, ADHD, and even mild depression, which can also be part of autism. So that's been a calling of mine. And that's something I wish was available when I started off with patients. That's only been out for a couple of years now. So well, and that's great to give people a place to look and shop and, you know, ponder their why before they dive in. But are, sure. do you find that the the spectrum of cannabinoids, the CBG, CBCs, they, CBD, THC, they all play a role here? Or, or is there just a couple that are more targeted specifically for autism? You know, it's an individualized approach. 
so for example, the anxiety formula is CBD, which is of course supported by research for, for reducing anxiety. It's in, a, it's in more of an indica profile of CBD, which can be hard to find. So it tends to be more calming and sedative. It also contains myrcene, which is a, a cannabinoid or a cannabis a terpene. terpene. That, that can actually help the cannabinoids cross the blood-brain barrier. And linalol, which is also found in lavender and cannabis, and that has also research supporting that it can reduce anxiety. So it's a very targeted blend that way. You know, we're getting it up in the brain. We're, we have a lot of different compounds in there that are shown to reduce anxiety. And so that's our anxiety formula. For autism, like I said, it's an individualized approach, so it depends on the kiddo. Autism is affiliated with anandamide deficiency, which works the same way as THC. Now, the caveat there is if there's any schizophrenia in the mix or in the family history, we tend to avoid THC. THCA is a great one for autism because autism is also linked with rampant inflammation, systemic inflammation. And THCA is probably the most anti-inflammatory compound, although CBD, especially CBD combined with CBG, is also very anti-inflammatory. So if somebody is in a state where they can't access THCA, that's a great alternative. Uh, we do use some CBD, which can promote balance in all three of the systems that are defunct with autism, which is neurological, immune, and gut. But we, we have to be kind of careful with the CBD, CBG, because they can be really stimulating. And sometimes that's too much for a child with autism, especially the CBG. CBG replaced coffee for me. <laughs> so it's pretty powerful stuff. Wow, that's but, great information. Yeah. But we have noticed CBG with some kids with autism can really help to improve their speech abilities pretty profoundly. So there's there's all kinds of little pearls, you know, that I've taken away just from my clinical practice and my work with so many patients with autism that I pass along and, and help people find what is going to work for them. Uh, one of the reasons I love Unity Formulas is they have free nurse guidance. I actually train the nurse that answers that phone on autism and cannabis. And so if someone is not exactly sure which direction to go, they can sign up for a free call with that nurse Fantastic. and get some guidance. So it's a great resource. Fantastic. Now, do you find that there is a specific method of consumption that is just overwhelmingly better than the others for treating autism? You know, if if the person with autism is receptive and not too taste sensitive, I always suggest starting with sublingual tinctures where you're just taking a, an oil-based tincture and putting it under the tongue or in the mouth. You know, it'll absorb through the cheek tissue as well as under the tongue. And it kicks in pretty quickly, usually 10 to 15 minutes. So we can start with just a few drops and kind of assess response. You know, if it helped a little bit, you can give more right away and kind of figure out an amount. And then that can work towards actually dropping it into a capsule and swallowing it, which takes longer to kick in, but also lasts a lot longer. So it's great for kind of extending the benefits. Once you know the amount that works, drop it in a capsule, swallow it, and it goes from lasting two to three hours under the tongue to all the way to six to eight hours when you swallow it. So it can really extend that effect and get kids like through their school day, for example. Yeah. There are people that use concentrates. That to me is sort of advanced cannabis use, uh, like the full extract cannabis oil or the Rick Simpson oil that's really dark and sticky. It's extraordinarily difficult to accurately titrate a dose with that stuff. So this is why I always recommend kind of with the sublinguals, you can literally, I, I know 
viewers can't see it, but I've got a tincture bottle here. You can literally count the drops and know how many milligrams you're taking. If mm -hmm. it's lab tested, you know the potency. With the full extract cannabis oil, it's like a, this thick molasses kind of substance, really sticky, really hard to measure a weight and determine how many milligrams are in that grain of rice that you're told to take. Is it a long grain? Is it a short grain? Is it brown rice? Like what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's really kind of a guessing game when you get up into the concentrates. Yeah. Uh, same thing with edibles. You know, edibles can be touch and go, you know, depending on who made the batch, depending on how it was, it was, uh, if it's homogenized. In, yeah. Right, right. Was it fully emulsified? Or are you going to have a brownie in one corner that's 100 milligrams and the other one in the other corner, one milligram? I mean, things like that can happen. The other thing is with edibles, there can be sugar in it or fats in it that actually potentiate the effects. And once you swallow it, you're stuck with it for a while. Yeah. You know, there are a few things you can do. Like if you get too much THC, you can take some CBD and it'll help kind of reduce it. But, you know, if you don't know what you're doing and on your first day using cannabis and you eat a high dose edible, it can make you pretty miserable. And I've actually had patients that were like, I, I was, I was hesitant to try cannabis again after my experience with an edible. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always cautious with those swallowed versions because it can get people, you know, into a pretty unpleasant experience and, and it's not harmful, but it can be scary for people. So. Yeah. So now that we know all of this, now let's go back to that moment when you're struggling with your daughter going through puberty and, and you had how many months of that before you're like, okay, something's got to give. You know, it was a good six months of her really struggling. And, you know, of course, we had her doctor involved and she was diagnosed PMDD, which is basically like homicidal PMS. I started linking it to that time in her cycle. And so we did some other interventions to help, you know, reduce her estrogen and modulate it and help her body process it better through supplementation. But the cannabis was really vital. And the formulations of cannabis that worked for her were the ones that worked for pain. So as it turns out, a lot of her behaviors were her trying to communicate that she was having severe pain. And so, you know, this is why I've kind of come to the conclusion with autism, especially kids that have, that are nonverbal or very limited verbal and they have a hard time communicating, behavior is communication for them. And, and just having that shift in perspective that it's not them personally attacking me and hitting me can be so beneficial for families to kind of realize, wow, my kid's trying to communicate with me. They're not attacking me. They don't hate me. Yeah. You know? And the cannabis That's such is so good great perspective. Yeah. 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 And, and so, and the cannabis worked so well for her. It actually spared her out of home placement because we were kind of in a, in a, you know, high risk situation with her. And there were actually three months where she lived part-time away from us. And so we, we just narrowly escaped that in 2015 and, and really credit cannabis for helping keep her home with us. So, I love that. Now, fast forward, how old is your daughter now and, and what's her protocol like? Yeah, she will be 21 next month, if wow. you can believe that. You know, she, people ask about her protocol all the time and, and it varies. I actually mix her capsules every morning and every night. And I wait until she's up and moving around and see how she's doing and see, you know, how her mood is and if she seems painful before I mix her capsule. 
but it does always include CBD, CBG, THCA, THC, beta-carophylline. We add extra of that because it's so great for inflammation. And then at night, we add in the, the CBN, which is great for sleep. And so it just it just kind of depends, though. Do I do more of the pain stuff? Do I do more of the euphoria stuff? Do I do, you know, I, I mix it up depending on how she looks. So uh, when you yeah. say you're you're mixing her capsules, so... Mm-hmm. You're a nurse, so this seems like no big deal to you, but someone who's thinking about something like this for themselves or for their own children, like, what is that like? What are you using? What are these capsules? How does that all work? Yeah, they're empty capsules, which you can buy anywhere online or at any pharmacy, basically. I use the zero zero capsules, which will hold a full mill plus a little bit. And this is why I used to teach parents to try a few different products and experiment with their kid and figure out how much THC helps this, this symptom that they have, how much THCA is helping, you know, when they show this symptom, really, you know, learning to kind of read your child's signals and translate them into which cannabinoid is going to help them most right now. And then once you figure that out through the sublingual, not only figure out what works, but how much, then you drop that in a capsule for them. So it's really not that difficult of a process. Uh, it does help the journal. And I always provided a journal with a patient handbook. And uh, and that way you can kind of figure out, you can go back and look, oh, you know, they had this self-injury thing and the THC helped with that. So it must have been pain. And this is how much helped. I'm just going to put that in a capsule in the morning and see if we can use it kind of preventatively. Yeah. The nice thing is, even once they've swallowed a capsule, if they need extra support any given day, you can give them more sublinguals. You can give them inhalants, which we use a, a flower vape for my daughter for that. Uh, for when she's really, really struggling, she'll actually ask for it uh, because that's immediate onset and you can actually kind of prevent the full-blown behavior from happening. Yeah. So there's a lot of strategies like that, a little, a lot of tips and tricks. <laughs> so good. Now, your daughter reaching her adulthood I know when we had spoken before, you mentioned her wanting to be able to go out into the world and and not live under mom and dad's roof. So talk a little bit about that experience and, you know, share what you've learned. Yeah, it's, you know, we're in Oregon, which, you know, most people think is a pretty freely accessible state. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case for those with autism or those that are needing to access their cannabis while in any kind of medical care setting. Even though we have a law that allows a medical organization or a caregiver agency or a care home to sign on as a registered caregiver for an Oregon medical marijuana program patient, which my daughter is, uh, the licensing boards for care homes are threatening these homes with loss of licensure and loss of their access to government funding, which funds a lot of these kids stays at these homes, uh, should they accommodate cannabis therapy for their residents. And so my daughter, even though she's ready to kind of go on and leave the nest and be a little more independent and not have me as her primary caregiver, which I still am, uh, there's no place that will accommodate her cannabis therapy. And so she's still home with us. And to help alleviate this issue, we launched 501c3 nonprofit Autism Safe Haven, which is at autismsafehaven.org. And we are working on creating solutions 
for those with autism that want to have cannabis accommodated as part of their care. It boggles my mind that you are yes. in Oregon and that is the situation. Yeah, it's 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 insane. And, and it's a lot of stigma. Uh, this also has bred me to become a, a legislative advocate here in Oregon. Uh, and I'm on the Ryan's Law team, which we have Ryan's Law, which will protect patients' right to access cannabis well in any medical setting, is actually introduced to this session. And part of what that says is that these care homes, not only do they have the option to accommodate cannabis, which of course right now they're being discouraged from doing by the licensing board, but that they must accommodate it. And so if that goes through, if that's voted in and passed this year, then January 1st of next year, we'll have a solution for this problem. Amen. And is it because each individual hospital or is it the state or is it because cannabis is still federally illegal? Like what do they lean on as their excuse? There's a lot of excuses Um, and there's a lot of what I call deliberate or willful ignorance on the part of our legislators. And I believe there's many reasons for it. One of the things they say is, oh, we can't risk losing federal funding. Well, Obama nixed that potential risk a long time ago, like 2013, 2014, when he said they will use no more federal funds to prosecute legal cannabis users anywhere in the U.S. Mm -hmm. We also, with getting Ryan's Law passed in California, we actually got a letter from federal CMS, which oversees all of the Medicare funding federally, saying not only have they never withheld federal funding for a medical organization accommodating cannabis patients, but they never will. And so that excuse has been completely debunked. The the real issue, and we see this federally as well, is that pharmaceutical companies are the primary lobbyists of all politicians, federally, state level, everything. And they do not want cannabis being accessible because it is their number one competitor and they know it. And so they are lobbying these legislators and the legislators in order to side with cannabis and allow cannabis, they shoot themselves in the foot financially because they lose their lobbying funds from the pharmaceutical companies. And this is why federally cannabis is still schedule one, even though in 1988, we had a federal DEA judge rule and agree with us that it met zero of the criteria for Schedule One placement, which is must be harmful, no medical use, and uh, must be highly addictive. And we've debunked all of those perceptions by our federal government. But everything we try to do to progress the legalization and descheduling of cannabis federally stops in Congress. It dies there. Yeah. So let's look at Congress. Every congressperson has three pharmaceutical lobbyists, and in all, Pharmaceutical companies contribute more than double that of the next leading industry to Congress campaign contributions. And and the second leading industry is oil and gas, to put it in perspective. So there is a lot of money behind keeping cannabis inaccessible and keeping our legislators closed-eared to any education or advocacy that we attempt. I love that you're preaching the truth like this. Yes. I mean, (laughs) I'm a truth preacher. (laughs) I love it. And people need to hear it. And especially when you're like, okay, we're talking about children with autism. We're talking about young adults trying to live in the world and not be comatose from Mm -hmm. all of the pharmaceutical drugs that they would otherwise be put on. 
if your daughter has moved to this point where she's healthy enough and feels good enough to want to be somewhere else, like this is something we should be celebrating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And from as a nurse, and I'm a retired nurse now, to be clear, but medical ethics are just failing, are just failing on this topic because every doctor, they agree to the Hippocratic Oath, which says do no harm. That entails risk versus benefit assessment. If cannabis is included in that assessment, most of the time it is the first logical solution for patients, not try all the pharmaceuticals and when they fail, then, oh yeah, go ahead and try cannabis, but I don't want to talk to you about it and I don't know anything about it, so I can't teach you. Let's label you with cannabis use disorder because you're, you, you know, you have reduced function from your cannabis because patients aren't receiving guidance. Yeah. You know, I'm also a big advocate of don't label them cannabis use disorder. If you know nothing about it, refer them to a specialist because usually they can tweak up their regimen a little bit and get them actually functioning better than they were on the pharmaceuticals. Yeah. We see that all the time. Reduced so, pharmaceutical reliance, better quality of life and better function are common. So um, where do you want people to go? Like if they're starting out this journey, they're like, uh, mm-hmm. yes. That sounds good. I want to consider cannabis for my lupus or multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. autism in order to gain that knowledge or at least the vocabulary to have an articulate conversation with a doctor or cannabis nurse practitioner. Where do we send them? Where do we go? Uh, so if you want to reach out to me and, you know, my career has progressed now and I predominantly educate medical professionals, even on the college level, I have a course at John Patrick University teaching cannabinoid science to integrative medicine students. So it's it's something that I specialize in now. And, and you can find me at janachampagne.com is my media kit website, uh, J-A-N-N-A, champagne like the drink. I have several articles on there specifically about cannabis for autism. I have a lot of resources about the research that's out there, the importance of educating medical professionals on this topic. And then there's always the free nurse guidance as well at Unity Formulas that I highly recommend for any patients that are looking for guidance. Um, It's a great place to start and they're great products. So Outstanding. Of course, they meet the flow criteria. So, (laughs) Well, I love this. And the Unity Formulas... Are those available just in Oregon or is that 50 state That is legal? Throughout, it's actually international. They're, they are all hemp spectrum products. It's a great place to start. Yeah. Good deal. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you? I know we're just kind of on a limited time budget today, but is there something that I didn't ask you that's really important that we include in this conversation? You know, I think you pretty well covered it. I know there's so much more we could get into, but like you said, we have limited time. So, you know, I just, I encourage you to reach out and get educated if you're not and speak up with your medical professionals. I believe that once we get enough medical professionals knowledgeable about this, there are so many that are seeking answers, especially to things like the opioid crisis, which cannabis is so effective at easing. You know, once we get them knowledgeable and and they understand the stigma doesn't fit, that they don't have to worry about losing federal funding or any other ramifications, then we're going to have an army of advocates saying, why aren't we integrating cannabis into our medical system? I agree. I agree. I can't wait for that day. (laughs) Now, I am producing a podcast that's coming online soon that is targeted at physicians. So I want to connect you with the hosts of that show because your message needs to be heard by every doctor out there. 
Yeah, I'd be happy. I'd be happy to participate in that. So thank you. Certainly. And you and I probably have another conversation in us because I want to talk about your own experience dealing with the health board and the licensing board and all of the things that you went through as a nurse and the hell of a fight you put up and, and how that's kind of blossomed into what you're doing now. I mean, that's a, that's a whole show in and of itself. So I do want to just reserve some time to do that down the road. Yeah, of course. Of course, we'll do another sesh. (laughs) All right. Well, Jana, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you do. And this has been great information. I love whenever I have a conversation and I learn new stuff. So you, you taught me a couple of new nuggets that I look forward to implementing into my own wellness protocol. Yeah, well, very good. And thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks for hanging out. The majority of doctors in cannabis legal states don't know enough about plant medicine or the endocannabinoid system to help patients explore cannabis as a real option. So I hope you'll share this podcast with your smoke circle. And if you want to connect with Jana and explore the resources that she mentioned, head over to the podcast 247 show notes at casuallybaked.com to continue your education. You'll also find links to cannabis nurse approved products there. And if you're interested in networking, business collaborations, or wellness lifestyle coaching, email your messages, requests, or can of curious questions through the website at casuallybaked.com or DM me on social. When I'm there, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Truth Social. All right, my friend, I wish for you an amazing summer, and I look forward to meeting you back here fresh and revitalized in the fall. Until we meet again, remember, it takes a village to spread this truth. So thank you for doing your part to Puff Puff pass it on. This is a high time. We had a high time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Jamie Humiston at PodConnects. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album Gotta Get Back wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna mom show and we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals healthcare providers policy advocates caregivers moms by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness wisdom and hope i am so grateful to have found my tribe of canna podcasters right here on pod connex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together